Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. I am Pastor Mark. I'm the associate pastor here at New Day Community Church. Some of you may be thinking, I haven't seen that guy in a while. Well, I have been down in Vandalia for the last 10 or 11 weeks, and it has been super fun. But it is great to be here at the Mother Church, uh, again, continuing this series on Journey to Easter. Jimmy has done a fantastic job over the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, he talked about, in week one, engage, the, the importance of uh, coming together as a community to engage in, in fellowship and relationship with one another, as well as how community helps us to engage with God. Last week, we talked about the, the core value of noticing God in, in our lives and how community helps us to notice God. And today, in week three, we are going to talk about something super fun, the importance or the value of learning to yield to God, to learn to submit to God. Well, that doesn't sound like very much fun, but that's where we're going, and we're talking about yielding, and it is going to be good. Uh, every Thanksgiving... Amber has this, uh, this great tradition. Really, the, the tradition is on Black Friday. She likes to, to go out early in the morning and come home late at night and going shopping. And so on Thanksgiving, that means that she likes to go through those great big newspapers, right? They're fu chocked full of, of ads that, that show you where the, the best deals are. And her and her mom and her, her aunt will uh, come up with this great plan with which to tackle the, the shopping day and how, how best to spend all that money that we're making. So it's so good. But on, on some Thanksgivings, I get up in the morning and I think to myself, you know what Amber loves? She loves going through those newspapers. I'm going to run out to the corner store and, and grab one of those, bring it back so when she gets up, you know, uh, she can have this newspaper and she can, she's going to be so happy. Right? And, and it's great because I, I love Amber so much. I love serving Amber, and it makes her happy to go through this great big newspaper. Easy. But there's some Thanksgivings where things go differently. I get up in the morning. Maybe I'm not thinking about Amber's desire to go shopping the next day. Maybe I'm really engrossed in the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. How, how do they get that Snoopy through those buildings. I don't know. I don't, uh, I, and so I'm just doing my thing. I'm drinking my coffee. And Amber says something very sweet like, hey, will you go down to the, the store and grab me a newspaper? And I'm like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I, I've got stuff going on. Got this. Snoopy's up here. He's coming. We don't know. There's apparently a marching band. Though You know I love marching bands. I got my coffee. Do you think your needs are more important than my needs? You got a driver's license? Go. <laughs> but because I'm a good husband and I've learned over the years, I say, yes, dear, let's, let me go get that newspaper for you. But the whole time, I'm just like, Ugh, I can't believe I have to go out and get this newspaper. Can anybody identify with that? No, no, mm -mm, okay, it's just me. So some of us, there's, there's, there's one way of serving when it's our idea, right? Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go out and do this. And then there's a whole nother level of serving, which goes through the path of submission. 
Well, it's not our idea. And actually, it kind of goes against our own will. And yet, we're called to serve and to submit and lay our lives down for others. Yielding is foundational to the Christian faith. We need to, to learn to yield. As, as humanity, in the, the Garden of Eden, we see this in the first couple of chapters of, of Genesis, that humanity w- was in the garden, and they chose to eat from this forbidden fruit, and saying to God, we don't want your way. We want to do it our way. And we have been reaping that same fruit ever since. Our human natures want to do our things, our way, in our timetable. And so to yield is to to give up, to relinquish, to to give away something. And yielding is very closely linked, yinked, it's very closely yinked, linked to uh, submission. And I'm actually going to use the two words interchangeably today, but it means we need to learn to give something up, to give up our own power in order to submit to the will of another. And just as a little caveat, we're talking about safe, healthy relationships. This isn't just blind submission without wisdom, right? This is submission and learning to yield to to God in others in, in healthy relationships, okay? But learning to yield, really, it brings flourishing relationships. We see this in every relationship. And the older I get, the, the more I see this. Right? Mutual submission in a, in a marriage just makes it work better. When, when Amber and I were first married, we were like 21 years old. We were just kids. And I don't think either of us realized how much of our life was kind of circled around ourselves. Like, yeah, we loved each other. We were kind of in this, you know, that honeymoon stage. And in a sense, we would have done anything for each other. But as life goes on, as you live with somebody, if you haven't learned to submit and to yield your own desires to somebody else, you just keep coming into conflict after conflict. And it's like, why doesn't she put the top back on the toothpaste? How hard is it? Come on. It's like, you know... Why, didn't, why would she buy grape jelly? I hate grape jelly. Come on, she knows it. But there's this, there's this conflict that, that comes in. But as, 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 as life goes on, what we learned was that if we submit to each other, if we prefer the other one over ourselves, suddenly this marriage that seemed kind of contentious and difficult is flourishing. We see the same thing in parent-child relationships, right? Obviously, a parent has authority over a child, but there is certainly submission of your own will to that kid. This doesn't happen anymore. My kids are older and they sleep till noon if we let them. But there is this time when little kids don't know that it's super early and they get up and they want to play. And it's 6 a.m. And you're just like, it's Saturday. This is my time. Don't you understand? And yet, we love these kids, right? And so we serve them. We get up and play. Or maybe they're, they're older, and now they've got all these activities, and you're driving them here, and you're driving them there, and you're just like, I just got done with a full day of work. I just, I'm done. I just want well, to watch Jeopardy. Literally anything. Anything but drive you somewhere. And yet, 
we lay down our will to, to take them places because that's what we do as parents because we love them and we want to see them flourish. And it works when, when kids submit to their parents. That is also beneficial. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, and the same thing happens in bosses and, and employees. We see this in almost every relationship. And, and the, the truth is that yielding, it just isn't easy, right? It requires a loss. And it also requires that we trust that this loss is going to be for the benefit of this relationship. This loss is going to be for the better. And so just like these other relationships, when it comes to following Jesus, yielding is the pathway to growth and the pathway to maturity. And it's in when we submit to Jesus to do things his way and not our way, we come into flourishing spiritual lives. And we're all thinking, but I hate yielding. I hate submitting. I don't want to do that. That's lame, right? And that's good. I mean, no, it's not really good. But we're not the first people that have struggled with this, right? We see this also in the, in the Bible. It talks about this. It talks about the difficulty of, of, of um, yielding or submitting our will to God's will. And so what I want to do today is look at this passage of scripture that really highlights Jesus's faithfulness to lay down his will, to lay down his rights to serve God and ultimately to serve us. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 26 verses 31 to 46. It's a little context. This is at the end of the Last Supper and we're actually going to be talking a lot more about the Last Supper next week. Um, Anyway, that's how it worked. I don't know. Uh, so, but this is the end of the Last Supper, and Jesus is finishing up dinner, and, the, and this is at the threshold of the cross. Jesus is, is, he knows what is lying before him. He's told his disciples three times at this point in the, in the Gospel of Matthew that I'm going to get handed over to the authorities. I am going to be killed. And they don't quite understand what's going on, but they are ready to follow him. So let's pick up the story in verse 31. And Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. 
When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. That's a Reformed church thing, so just... All right, so there's a lot going on in this passage. There's a lot going on in this passage, and we don't have time to to dig into all of it, so we're just going to look at like six things. (laughs) Real, real, just a nice little six-point sermon. And what I did notice in first service is there's a little aside. So it's kind of like a seven, but that one doesn't count. So six points. Okay, so we're going to look at three things that we learn about Jesus, two things that we see about the disciples, and one thing that we need to take away from this passage today as we look at yielding to God. First thing we notice about Jesus in this passage is that he is fully human. Another caveat, Jesus is always fully human throughout his incarnation, all right? But we somehow see it more clearly in this moment of despair, in this moment of difficulty. Jesus knows what is coming. Jesus realizes that the cross is looming before him. And in verse 37, out of the message translation, Eugene Peterson translates it like this. He says, Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Jesus plunged into an agonizing sorrow. And then he said, This sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. This sorrow is crushing my life out. And maybe some of us have endured situations in our lives where we felt like this. Maybe we didn't have these words, but we just felt that this sorrow is crushing my life out. I don't know how to go on in the midst of this situation. And we can start to question, God, don't you care? Don't you understand what I'm going through? Why couldn't you stop this? Why are you so far off and distant? You can't understand what what I'm going through, what I'm feeling right now. And yet, in this passage, we see that Jesus endured the same thing. Jesus understands pain and suffering. Too often we can approach scriptures like this or approach the cross thinking of Jesus as fully divine, which he completely is. Jesus, fully God and fully man. And we think that his divinity kind of overrules his humanity in this situation. And he's got this big eternal perspective. And yeah, it's going to kind of suck for a little bit, but we're going through. We know what's going on. Let's get it done. That's not what we see. We see Jesus with soul-crushing sorrow. Jesus is fully human, and so he understands what we're going through. And he's, he's struggling to accept this thing that is looming before him, the cross. And he says, Father, would you take this cup away from me? And in the Old Testament 
uh, we, the, the, the metaphor or the picture of a cup represents a person's life. And in the, the Psalms and the prophets, we often see uh, a person's cup can be filled with salvation. It can be filled with gladness. It can also be filled with judgment. It can be filled with curses. But Jesus' cup is filled with suffering. And he knows it. And he's struggling with it. And so he asks his disciples, will you keep watch with me in verse 38? And being a good seminary student, I said, all right, that's translated keep watch. I wonder what that means in, in the Greek. And so I, I went into my Greek lexicon and I pulled it up. And what this word means is to keep watch. <laughs> so the translators did it again. <laughs> Good job, guys. Huh. And so, and, and, but, the, it, it, but it also has this connotation of stay awake. There's this other place where it's translated, stay awake. And so Jesus, in his humanity, in his struggle with this cup of suffering that is being handed to him, he says, guys, will you stay awake with me? And there is a time in, in my life, it was right before we sold our old house and after we had bought the new house. There was this few weeks where I owned two houses and I delivered siding, um, which doesn't pay a lot of money. And I was nervous that we were, gonna, we we're probably going to lose both houses. We're going to be on the street. What are we going to do? I was just little babies. What's going on? And I was all nervous. I was just a kid. I didn't know what to do. And so I just had weeks of insomnia because of this just worry. And in, in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 a.m., I would walk around and my babies are sleeping. Amber is sleeping. The house is quiet and alone. And in those moments, it's not that I wanted Amber or the kids to be awake at 2 or 3 in the morning. But I wanted somebody that could, could comfort me, that could be with me in the midst of this troubling time. Right? And, and for me, it was like, I'm going to be real tired tomorrow. Jesus is on his way to the torture device of the cross. And he's looking for his friends to come to stand watch with him. You see, Jesus was fully human. That's the first thing that we see. The second thing we see about Jesus is that he has a real desire to obey the Father. And yes, he's struggling. Yes, he's saying, can you, can you take this cup away from me? Can we do it some other way? And yet over and over again, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And in verse 42, may your will be done. Jesus is saying, to the Father, right, I, I don't want this to happen. I don't want to have to endure this cup of suffering. I don't want to have to endure the cross. But even more than that, I want what you want. Father, I don't want to have these nails driven through my hands, but more than that, I want what you want. So Jesus reveals this desire to obey the Father even in the midst of this difficult situation, in the midst of this trouble. And the third thing that we see about Jesus is that he yields to the Father through prayer. 
spoiler alert, the disciples do not do this very well. But Jesus, even though he has a will of his own that seems to be separate from the Father's will, does that work? I don't know. He, but he yields to the Father through prayer, and we see this progression through this passage. In verse 39, he cries out, is there any other, other way? If it, if it is possible, let's do something else. Not my will, but yours. Then in, in verse 42, seems to be a little bit more kind of resignation. If it's not possible, Father, I want to do it your way, not my way. And then at the end of this passage, Jesus isn't praying to the Father, but we see this yieldedness. And he says to the disciples, wake up. My betrayer is here. It's time to do this. So Jesus yields to the Father through prayer. And here's the freebie. True yielding, what we learn from Jesus, happens through prayer. As we draw close to God, we learn to recognize our dependence on him. I'm weak. You are strong. Will you strengthen me? Will you guide me? Will you help me with this? I need you, God. I don't have it on my own. Prayer recognizes that God's way is better. So often, when we are in a, a difficult, trying situation, we can say something like, God, you don't quite understand what's going on. I've kind of got the inside perspective here. Let me help you see what you should be doing here. <laughs> but as we align with God in prayer, we are reminded that every good and perfect gift comes from him. We are reminded that he is the potter. We are the clay. We don't get to shake our fist and say, God, this is what you should be doing. Now, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to cry out to God and go, God, I don't understand. What, why are you doing this? What is happening? We see that throughout the, the Psalms, David crying out these laments. But ultimately, at the end of these laments, he comes into alignment with the God's goodness and God's will, realizing maybe I'm missing something. And finally, prayer brings our hearts and minds into alignment with God's ways. Prayer helps us to yield to God. And so what do we see here in this passage about the disciples? Well, we see a couple of things. First, the disciples had real determination. They were committed to this. If we look back at verse 33 and verse 35... Jesus says, you know, you're, gonna, you're all going to scatter. Peter replies, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And in 35, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. And I think that they fully believed this. A hundred percent. Jesus we know you. We have walked with you for three years. We have seen you heal the deaf and the blind. We've seen you feed 4,000 and 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. We have heard your amazing teachings. We don't quite understand this dying part, but we believe that you are the Messiah. We're not going anywhere. 
earlier this year, I had real determination. I was going to, I was trying to remember what I was going to do. I'm going to stop eating sugar and meat. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. And I was committed to this, and I was determined. Right? And I thought, this is going to happen. And so one week early in January, I bring a, a salad. Uh, <laughs> I bring a salad, and Jimmy's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm eating salad now. I'm a salad guy now. And he's like, is that sustainable? And I'm like, probably. About, about three hours from then, I stocked my freezer with Totino's party pizzas. And that's pretty much what's been my diet since then. But... They're cheap. They're like a buck fifty. No, they're like a buck twenty. It's a deal. It's a real good deal. And that that has pretty much been, you know, that's what that's what happened to my determination. I'm gonna be a salad guy. And I really thought it. You can see it in my journal. <laughs> and and yet this self-determination for the disciples isn't enough. Just like my self-determination to be salad guy wasn't quite enough. Verse 40, Jesus comes back to his disciples. He finds them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Come on, guys. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here... We, I, we see this real determination in the disciples. And the second thing we see is a real inability to stay awake. And so as I read this passage, as we've maybe read it in, in the past, we ask ourselves, what, are they, what is the author getting at here? How could these guys not stay awake? Like, this is a big deal. Like, and, and Jesus didn't just go, hey guys, if you feel like staying awake, would you please stay awake? No, this, and the, the, the language, the, the syntax of this text, it's a, it's a command. He says, guys, stay here, stay awake. I'm going to go over here and pray. And they fall asleep. Moments after, they said, we'll die with you. We'll die, but not stay awake. So what... Is it, what is this passage getting at? Why do the disciples fall asleep? Are they tired? Right? Did they have a stressful day? You know, we don't know. There could be a zillion things going through their minds. But what I think the author is trying to communicate is that this is the human condition. We see ourselves in the disciples. We see that their determination isn't bad. It's probably applaudable. Yes, stand with Jesus. But it's not enough. Their own real self-determination could not keep them awake. And in our own abilities, we fall asleep. The human condition in our sinfulness, we are drawn to the opposite of the command. Jesus says one thing to them, stay awake, they fall asleep. Many, many years before this, when the Israelites are coming out of, of Egypt, I'm gonna, this is a very short summary of this story, they're at Mount Sinai, and Moses basically says, don't worship any idols, 
Don't make any golden calves. I'm going up to the mountain. I'll be back in a few days. He goes up the mountain. He comes back, and they're worshiping a golden calf. Guys, what are you doing? That's the one thing I said don't do. Bad news, I got a bigger list now. <laughs> That's a good one. Pretty good. And of course, in the, in the Garden of Eden, God says one thing. You can do anything you want, just don't do this. Don't eat from that tree. And they eat from that tree. Come on. Seriously? This passage shows this incredible contrast between Jesus and the disciples. And in the face of the cross, Jesus is willing to lay down his life, to lay down his will to the Father. And yet the disciples aren't even able to stay awake and pray. And so we see ourselves in the disciples. We are given this incredible example of yielding from Jesus. And as Christ followers, we are going to run after that with everything that we have, all of our strength and all of our minds. We're going to run after this example and do what Jesus has called us to do. And and we're going to follow the trail that Jesus has blazed for us. And yet, so often, we see ourselves in the disciples. Jesus, this is the year that I'm going to do devotions every day. This is the year that I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing this. And we have this self-determination. This is the year I'm going to do it, and I'm going to follow you more closely. And yet, we fall asleep. And so we see ourselves in the disciples, and we feel ashamed. We feel ashamed because of our inability to stay awake. If I was better, Jesus is mad at me now. I can't quite cut it. But the good news is that Jesus knew who he was asking to stay awake. Let's look back at the very first verse of this passage, verse 31. Jesus told him, this very night you will fall away on account of me. He knew that they were going to fail. He knew that they were going to fall away. He knew that they were going to scatter at the first sign of trouble. And so this reality that they've fallen asleep in the cold night of the garden, it's not a surprise to Jesus. But what we don't see in this passage is Jesus getting angry. What's wrong with you guys? I I told you you're going to fall away. Here you did it. You guys suck. Can you say suck on Sunday mornings? (laughs) Please edit that out of the podcast. (laughs) But he doesn't say that. That's my point, right? He doesn't say that. (laughs) Actually, in the original Greek, if you really die... (laughs) So Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't berate them for falling asleep. He's like, hey, guys, it's time to go. My betrayer's here. Let's do this. In this passage, we can find um, assurance in this idea that even when we fall asleep, Jesus keeps the vigil. 
even when through our words, through our actions, through our thoughts, right, we say, we, we disown Jesus. Jesus says, I'll never disown you. And this is true for the person who is far from Jesus, right? They, you're not too far. Jesus left the 99 to come and find you. Yeah, you've been unfaithful, but he loves you, and he has been faithful for you. And this speaks to us as people who are following Christ, right? I've been following Jesus for 24, 25 years now, and there's still these moments where I fail, where I mess up. Oh, I can't believe I did that again. And I feel like I've done it. I've gone too far this time. It's all over. And yet Jesus comes and says, you've not fallen too far. There's no wall I won't break down. There's no mountain I won't climb to get to you and draw you back to me. We see in this story as it progresses that that Peter uh, does end up denying Jesus three times. Uh, Heartbreaking. And yet at the end of the, the Gospel of John, Jesus meets Peter and restores him. He says, don't worry. It's okay. I love you. And I've have an important job for you to do as my disciple. Even when we disown Jesus, he will never disown us. Even when we fall asleep, he never will. And so this is how we want to end today. To look at Jesus. A lot of times we will end a a message, here's your application steps, do this, this, and this. And that's good. We see that's biblical. We are exhorted to, to try to do better. But this is not a do better message. This is a let's look at Jesus message. This is Jesus, our Savior. The one who was willing to stay awake when we couldn't. The one who lived a, a sinless, perfect life when we We're shaking our fist in defiance at him. He was the one who was willing to give up his position seated at the right hand of God to become a human, to bear our penalty, to go to the cross for us. When we were destined for hell, he came and died so that we could be brought into the kingdom of God. He yielded his will when we refuse to. And so today, let's remember that we can only be faithful to Jesus when we learn to yield ourselves to him. He is faithful when we are not. And through putting our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are brought into Jesus and his faithfulness becomes our faithfulness. And we are restored to the Father. So action step today, submit. Yield to the Father.